following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Thank you to Darren for helping me out in my crisis. Amen. Say, what was your crisis? Don't ask. Amen. 1 Peter 1, let's begin in verse 10. 1 Peter 1 and verse 10. Here the Bible says, Of which salvation uh, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time uh, the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, the glory that shall fo- should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto, uh, unto themselves... Uh, but unto us that administer the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into, and continuing and really, if we can, hopefully finish up a greater consideration of salvation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for thy goodness, thy mercy, thy grace. Father, thank you for all that you do. And Father, you're a great and good God. And Father, thank you for your blessings. And Father, thank you for the times when we even need to be corrected. Father, we know it's for our good and your glory. And Father, I pray that you bless this time we spend now looking into thy word. Father, bless your people. Father, help us to get prepared uh, for a new week, Lord, as today is the first day of that week. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, a greater consideration of salvation. We've talked about the prophet's example to us in uh, the study of salvation. We spent some time talking about that. And uh, we have been talking about, if you will, the apostles' example to us in the proclamation of the gospel of our salvation. And uh, we talked about how the apostles working through the Lord's local church fulfilled that ministry in taking the gospel uh, to the world. And we talked uh, particularly about the subject matter of their preaching being the gospel in Mark 16. Looking there with me, Mark 16, and really it's our continued message and Mark 16, beginning in verse 14. Here the Bible says, And afterward he appeared in the eleven, eleven as they sat at meat. Mark 16, I'll slow down again. Mark 16 and verse 14. And after he appeared unto them and the eleven, as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned, knowing always that the emphasis is on believing the gospel and not baptism. And so we talked about the subject matter of their ministry being the gospel, Ephesians chapter 4, and then all the counsel of God in the sense that uh, we need the, the help of God to the, the local church to be able to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, as he's writing to the church at Ephesus, but unto all churches, really. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, knowing that perfect is not without sin, but rather maturity, a mature man that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men 
and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we're talking about spiritual growth. The subject matter of their ministry of preaching was the gospel and all the counsel of God. We talked about last week about the manner of their preaching. Again, if you will, in, in 1 Peter 1 and 12, 1 Peter 1 and 12. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Unto whom it was revealed, 1 Peter 1 and verse 12, Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost which is sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look in. We talked about uh, these things which are now reported unto you by them. We talked about they did not invent these things as our modern uh, so-called reporters are doing today as they're coming up with fake news. They preached the truth of God's word through, and he, they communicated to us through their manner, through preaching, through witnessing, and uh, through reporting. And then tonight, if you will look with me to verse 12 again, and the latter part of this verse where the Bible says, unto, them, unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. We want to talk about the power of their preaching. And uh, that's what really he's talking about here, that uh, them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. That is, they preach the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit sent from God. Look at me to 2 Chronicles 24. 2 Chronicles 24, it has always been the case that uh, the, the empowering... Uh, preaching comes from God, not just not from necessarily the preacher himself. In Second Chronicles chapter 24, Second Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 17, Second Chronicles 24 and verse 17. <clears throat> Listening for pages, it's all quiet. Verse 17. Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah. And made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them, and they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their for their, their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they te uh, testified against them, but they would not give ear. And the spirit of God came upon Zechariah the son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. Uh, why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. Know, he's talking to them not as individuals necessarily, as much as a nation. And they were turning from God, and they conspired against him, and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Then Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but slew him, uh, but slew his son when he died, and when he died, he said, the Lord look upon it and require. And now here we know that the Spirit of God came upon the prophets of old, and they prophesied in the name of the Lord. The power of God was there to, to bless their preaching, uh, to give them authority and power to work in human hearts. You know, folks, it's not the man sometimes that stands behind the pulpit, but the power of God in the man, working through the man, and particularly through his word that reaches the human heart in John 15. Look with me there, John 15. 
and verse 26. You know, sometimes we want to glorify the man instead of the God in the man, the God using the man and using his word in John 15. John 15, and beginning in verse 26, the Bible says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me, and he also shall bear witness of me, because you have been with me from the beginning. Our bearing witness as preachers and those that uh, communicate the gospel of the Lord, the word of God, is empowered by the spirit of truth sent from God, sent down from God in heaven. John 16, John 16, and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, now watch this, uh, he's talking about the spirit of truth, the comforter, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now, howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, again, he being a personal pronoun, referring to God, the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you, shall show it unto you, and all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. But folks, it's the Spirit of God through the preaching of God's word that will be able to reprove the world of, right, uh, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That is God's work and the empowering of the preaching is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. In Luke 24, Luke 24, <clears throat> and getting the greater context, the Bible says here in Luke 24 and 45, then opened he their understanding, Christ did the risen Savior, that they might understand the scriptures. And we know, folks, that without the Holy Spirit or without God, in the person of Christ and the Holy Spirit, we would not understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. What is he talking about? He's talking about what John Baptist and even Jesus spoke about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the empowering of the Lord's church on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. And we'll look at verse 1. Acts chapter 2. And we'll begin in verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, uh, they were all with one accord in one place. The Lord's church had already been established. It was there in one place. They were in one accord in agreement. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. They were, if you will, immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you will. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now when he speaks of other tongues, he's talking about known languages, not the jibber-jabber nonsense that you hear the cruzomatics use when they speak of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's nothing holy about their, what their, their so-called manifestations of the Spirit are. They're not holy at all. Often they're unholy, ungodly, unscriptural, and lead to much ungodliness. But here we find the Lord's church, the apostles, being leaders within this church. God has filled them all with the Holy Spirit of God. God's empowering this church. And it goes on to say he's given them a manifestation of this empowering by the gift of, of uh, speaking in unknown languages. And they were dwelling, and for a reason. And they were dwelling at, Ju- uh, at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue? wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes. He's going to give us the different nationalities, these Jews, places the Jews had come from, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers at Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontius and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. God was empowering uh, the church there on the day of Pentecost to declare the, the gospel, the wonderful works of God uh, to Jews that had come from all over the world to celebrate the feast of Pentecost here. And God chose this time and empowered their preaching uh, in order to be able to use them in a way that they could not be used without him. You know, sometimes we imagine if we just grab, just get up and go do something for God, uh, that God's going to bless it because we've done something for God. You know what, folks? We need to be following the leadership and direction of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 16, we won't take the time to look there, but there were places where Paul was forbidden to go and preach to. Leading, uh, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they went to the places where God directed them and preached to the people that God wanted them to preach to and empowered their preaching. And people were saved and churches uh, were established even as the Lord would have it to be so in Acts 4, Acts 4 and 1, Acts 4 and 1. <clears throat> and as they spake unto the people, the priest and the, and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about five. I can't imagine preaching and 5,000 people getting saved. I mean, it'd be a good portion of this town. As a matter of fact, this little building wouldn't hold them. Amen. What a problem that would be to have. <laughs> you say, you think it'll ever happen? Not by the power of this preacher. Not by the power of this preacher. Any good thing that happens, any souls that are saved any effectiveness from the preaching is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it is with these, and it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers, verse 5, and elders and scribes, and Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power or by uh, what name ye have done this? Then Peter, 
And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, the same which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none under the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. God had used them and healed a man through their ministry. They had the opportunity to preach the, uh, the gospel uh, to folks that needed to hear it. 5,000 people were saved and others were saved because they did not lift up themselves, but they lifted up uh, the gospel of Christ, lifted up Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. What we need more than anything today in our churches is spirit-filled preaching. It's spirit-filled preaching. And some of that lays at the door of the man that stands behind the pulpit. When I come to this pulpit, my prayer is that, that the Spirit of God would be here and work through the preaching to do what only God can do in the human heart. You know, I think any preacher worth anything wants people to be helped through the preaching. But it cannot be done just because maybe the pastor somehow waxes eloquent. You know, it's not about necessarily eloquent. It's about being under the control of the Lord. If in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, I like what Paul had to say about it. <clears throat> And my prayer is that, and it has been in times past, and will continue to be, pray for me every time I get in the pulpit. Pray before I get in the pulpit. Pray for me during the week that I'm prepared to preach the Word of God. But more than anything, let's ask God for the power of the Holy Spirit of God to work through the man who stands in the pulpit, declaring the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 1, Paul writes, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I didn't come, you know, and I can't imagine, Paul must have been a great preacher. He was a great speaker, and yet he minimized himself and his wisdom and maybe even his abilities and elevated and pointed to the one that was most important in the preaching he says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, his focus was on pointing people to the Lord and the power of God to save them and pointing them to the power of God to do everything for them. Amen. He didn't want them necessarily to be enamored with the fact that, oh, he was just this wonderful preacher. And he just said everything so right. You know, I'm amazed sometimes that anybody ever gets saved and any good thing ever is accomplished by sometimes us foolish preachers. Amen? Say amen. <laughs> amen. It's true. How does God accomplish anything through any of us? By the power of God, working in us and through us for the good of others and the glory of God. In 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5, 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5, 
You know, Paul, when he was talking to the Corinthians, said at one place, he said, he said, we are fools, but you're wise. Many were, for some reason, maybe because of their Greek culture, they were treating Paul as if he were a fool. And yet Paul was more than that by the power of God. In 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5, for our gospel came not into you the word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers, followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. I mean, God did something among these people in, the, in, Thessalon- in Thessalonica because of the power of the preaching. And the power was the power of God, not necessarily the power of the preacher to be eloquent or to say everything just so perfectly. You know, in, the, in times past, there have been preachers that did not always have the so-called training that many have today, and yet God used them. And let me say this. I never want to glorify ignorance or a lack of preparation. The Bible says that we need to prepare ourselves for the things that God has called us to do. When God called me, I knew immediately that I was going to have to go and be trained for the ministry. And I could not do the ministry without some training first. Amen. But you know what? Some, some people who have not always had the training that some others have had have learned to rely upon the Holy Spirit of God to do the work that they themselves cannot do. And folks, it's so important that, that uh, when, when the preaching goes forward that it is empowered by God if it's going to be effective for God. And then if you look back when you're first uh, Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> you say, preacher, do you always feel like you, the, you're empowered by God? Not always. Say, do you, do, you always think that, do you always think that every message you preach is good? Not always. You know what? Thankfully, like our, our old pastor used to say, a chicken lays one egg a day. I hope that I only lay one egg a day. Because, I mean, people are going to struggle with that one egg. Amen. And I don't say it because I want to wax eloquent. I'm saying I don't want people to stumble on the, in the course of my trying to minister to them through the Word of God. But then again, if we will, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, as we're talking about <clears throat> uh, a closer consideration of the salvation of God, look at verse 12. On whom was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the, the things which are now reported unto you by them that pre- have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Now watch the latter part of this verse. Which things the angels desired to look into. The last thing I want to consider about this whole matter of a greater consideration of salvation is this. The angels' example in their desire to look into the gospel of our salvation. They say, why is that? Why did the Lord include that? Well, I think it's because sometimes we imagine that angels know everything. That angels are maybe on par with God. They are not. Let us not forget whether they be angels or cherubims, whatever. They are still created beings by God. They are not God, though they may have a greater knowledge of God, and they do. I mean, who could not know and have a greater knowledge of God than those beings that dwell with God in heaven? They're in his presence at all times. They see things in ways that you and I don't see, but let's remember this. 
They don't understand everything like God does any more than we understand everything. You know what, folks? We have a, an understanding of God that God has given us through his word. And they can look into that. But you know what? When there's, there's, something, there, there's something different about the angels. You know, they made their choice for God in heaven a long time ago. A third of the angels followed the devil who imagined that he was beautiful and wonderful and could be God, forgetting that he was created by God. Well, the angels in heaven, they see what's going on. They understand many things, but understand this. The very nature of salvation and the plan of salvation and the work of salvation in some senses uh, leaves them without comprehending because they don't have to be saved by the grace of God they don't I, I'm not sure they understand the grace of God like those who've had to re rely upon and trust in the grace of God for salvation amen they're angels they know things and I'm not even sure all of what they know but they know a lot and yet the Bible says here that which uh, speaking it says here which things the angels desire to look into if you will look with me to deuteronomy 29 and 29 deuteronomy 29 and 29 you know i'm not sure what they know but it's obvious that they don't know all about salvation and I'm not sure that God cares to reveal it to them. In Deuteronomy 29 and 29, the Bible says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. You know, God has revealed a lot of things for us and to us, but there are some secret things that we don't know. There are things that we may not know until the Lord, re maybe not even when we get to heaven. You know, we're still, when we get to heaven, we'll be glorified, we'll live eternally with God, we'll have an insight and understanding that we don't have maybe now, but we will never understand all there is to understand about God because His ways are higher than our ways. God is still God. And someone who can never be absolutely and clearly understood at all times. Even when we get to heaven. The angels don't always know everything about God. They only understand and know what God allows them to know. Amen. The, the things that God reveals unto them. The things they need maybe to know. You know, in the military when you talk about uh, top secret clearances... And you get information as bad. I had a top secret clearance in the military. But you know what? I did not have access to all top secret uh, information. You know why? Because there was this business of there, is, there has to be a need to know. Now, if I didn't need to know that particular top secret information, they didn't tell me because I didn't need to know. The things we need to know, the things that God wants us to know, God reveals them, uh, if you will, to us. Because we need to know them, if you will. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. <clears throat> and look at verse 20. Daniel chapter 2. And look at verse 20. 
<clears throat> Daniel answered and said, well, look, look at verse 9. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the... What a chorus. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now that we desired of thee, for thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Now, only because they needed to know, and they appealed to God to know, for a reason God revealed to them these secrets, this, this wisdom that they needed. They looked, they looked into it, they prayed and sought God, and God revealed these things to them. Look with me to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. <clears throat> Let's begin in verse 32. Makes me want to go home and live. What is it, that, that old Disney movie, uh, Lady and the Tramp and all the howling and carrying on? <laughs> How many of you have ever seen that? Isn't that spiritual? No, not a bit. <laughs> Matthew 24 and 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He's talking about the second coming of Christ. The angels don't know when it's going to happen. And they're in the very presence of God. You mean God's keeping something from those guys? Yeah. Don't they need to know? No. When they need to know, God will let them know. You know, angels don't understand everything that we might imagine that they understand even about salvation. He says in verse 37, and folks, you know, we don't know when the Lord's coming. We can know the times and the seasons. And I think as we look at our day and, and the age in which we live, it could very well be soon. He says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the man, Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not that until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would, not have, wa he would have watched and would not have uh, suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye ready also, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in, in uh, due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. You know, we don't know when the Lord's coming. We need to be prepared, be ready. 
for his coming because we don't know when it's going to happen. The angels in heaven don't know and understand salvation maybe like human beings do because we need to. And not only do you know the completion of our salvation is the redemption of our body. When the Lord comes at the rapture, the redemption of all of that body. <laughs> you know, we're talking about salvation and some of the things that go into it. In Luke 24, Luke 24, but there seems to be a desire for the angels in heaven to look into, to investigate. And that uh, looking into uh, speaks of an investigation that they're trying to make, would like to make so as to understand better this salvation. In Luke 24 and 1, now upon the first of the week, very early in the morning, they, they came unto him, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of our Lord, uh, of our Lord, of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in white and shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why, see, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember, remember how he spake unto you uh, when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day uh, rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the a mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then Peter rose, then arose Peter, and ran to the sepulchre, and stooping down, beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Now, you know what? Peter went for a further investigation. He heard what was said. He could have maybe just accepted that, but he didn't. He wanted to see for himself. He wanted to look into the matter more extensively. He wanted to understand what had just happened, what was going on. So Peter went himself and made investigation of it. It's like the angels, folks. You know, they desire to look into, make an investigator, a, great, a greater investigation of the great salvation that we human beings have offered to us. And to us who have embraced it, to maybe understand the, the, the glories of it. Because, folks, they don't need to be saved. And yet, folks, it seems that all of the focus of mankind in this life and in this world centers around the person and work of Christ and salvation. And, folks, even those in heaven itself want to know more. They look into it. They're making investigation of it in James 1. James 1. <clears throat> Look at verse 22. James 1, beginning in verse 22. <clears throat> but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. James 1 and 22. Deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like no man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. 
But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now this looking into the perfect law of liberty has with it the connotation of making a greater and closer investigation of the truth of God's word. And folks, you know what? So as to be able to do the word of God and not just hear it. You know, the angels in heaven, you know, I marvel at this, that they don't understand it all. They don't get it all. God, they get what God has left and revealed for them to know. But they want to know more about it. And why? Look, if you will, to Hebrews 2 and verse 1. Hebrews 2 and 1. Paul, writing to the Hebrew believers, said some important things here. Hebrews 2 and 1, Therefore, we ought to give heed, the more earnest heed, to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed uh, confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now, you know, he says something very important in verse 3. He says, so great salvation. So great salvation. A salvation like none other, if you will, brought into being by a Savior like none other. You know, the salvation of God that we enjoy is beyond sometimes even our comprehending. I'm not sure we really understand all of the salvation that we have and enjoy. And certainly, the angels and maybe other beings in heaven don't get it. But thanks be to God that we do get it, at least in part. And the more we consider it, the more we look into it. You know, folks, the greater the greater that salvation will be. You know, can you imagine that we see and understand something that even the angels of heaven don't? I marvel at that because they, they live with God in heaven. They see him every moment. And remember, time in heaven is, they don't live in time. We live in time. Time to God is nothing. He doesn't live in time. We do. That's why the Bible says that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years one day. He doesn't live in time. We do. Time was established for man. It was established for us. But one day there will be no more time. We will live in eternity. Amen. The important thing is, is that are you prepared for that day? When the Lord comes for his people... Will you go with him, or will you be left behind? We don't know the day and hour in which the Lord will come, neither do the angels of heaven. We know it's, it could be soon, according to what the Scripture says about it. But are you prepared for it? Are you prepared for his coming? Are you saved by the grace of God? And you know what? You think about this, Christian. If you are, you and I enjoy an understanding and a knowledge that maybe even the angels of heaven don't. They just don't. They'd like to know, but God says, maybe God says, you know, you don't need to know. You don't need to know. But he wants us to know. Amen? Are you saved? 
These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have everlasting life. God has given us a Bible. God has revealed to us and for us so great salvation. And you know, we've considered it. We've considered the, the prophets' work, the apostles' work, and now what the angels know and don't know, but that we know. Amen. Thanks be to God that we know salvation and we know the Savior even more so than the angels. Amen. What a privilege it is to know God and know our salvation. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.